0: Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. mean to you? Recently, I've been prompted to go back to basics, to look again at the blueprint for the early church. And for me, it's raised loads of questions. What did Jesus really mean when he said, I will build my church? What were the building blocks for the early church, that time of a new way, a new following? And are we still replicating them today? You know, I have the opportunity to speak with lots of people about faith and church. And sometimes I'm left wondering if we have become attenders of the church, rather than seeing ourselves as the church. You know, I think if we've become attenders I think this is time for change this is the time to see ourselves as God sees us this is time to see in a new way all that God wants for us in this exciting driven purposeful life where he sees us as a valued and important part of his church church is not for spectators church is a community of people rolling up their sleeves looking at the blueprint and playing their part
1: Hey, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. if you're watching online. Welcome to So glad you're joining with us. Uh, Helena's right. We're into this second part of a mini-series, uh, which is called "Back to uh, the Blueprint." And last week, um, we were looking at uh, what is the church. Uh, and this week I want us to be focusing on what's our part, what part do we play within the life of the church? So we're going back to the blueprint, basically to see what was God's intention, what was God's plans for a community of people called the church. So Jesus, he first mentioned this word church when he was um, at a place called Caesarea Philippi. And uh, he'd asked people the question, And he said, who do people say that I am or who do you say that I am? And they came up with different answers until Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus then said this. He said that on that statement that you have just made, I will build my church. And when he used the word church, he didn't use a religious term. He used this word called ecclesia or ecclesia, whichever way around you want to say it. It's exactly the same thing, it's just pronounced slightly differently. And he was saying that this, he would build a gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. And so when Jesus was raised from the dead and the people met together, they were so passionate about Jesus. They were so passionate that he had died for their sins. They were so passionate that he was alive. And so they would meet together and they would have meals together and they would learn together. They would do life together. They would pray together. And it was such an amazing community that, in fact, people every day were added To This group, this ecclesia. And so there in Jerusalem, this thing called the church started to grow. But the problem was, is that it stayed in Jerusalem. And God had much bigger plans than for just this little community to be meeting together in one city. And so there were some Roman emperors at the time who tried to stamp out this ecclesia or ecclesia, uh, this bunch of people who were now followers of Jesus. And so they brought about persecution and uh, some were killed by the sword some were stoned to death some were put into prison others were burnt alive in fact Nero the emperor uh, one of the emperors in those early days um, uh, it is rumored that he had set light to the city of Rome so that they would raise it to the ground so that he could build his own palace but instead of taking the blame for it himself he blamed Christians And so they were captured, they were coated in tar, and they were lit and burnt alive. So you imagine living within that kind of environment, what do you choose to do? You choose to get out quick, don't you? And so many Christians decided to leave Jerusalem, and they spread all over the place. And they basically became foreigners. And so when the Bible talks about God, God is for the orphan. God is for the widow and God is for the foreigner or the immigrant. That's why we as churches, which is why we link with Zambia, because we want to help the orphan and the widow and the foreigner. And so these people spread out to different cities and to different places and wherever they went, they started to gather as an ecclesia, as a group of Christians with this common purpose to learn together, to eat together, to do life together, to pray together. And one of the big dramatic changes that took place in the life of this movement that God was calling, it wasn't just to be one place, it was to be a movement that was spread throughout the world, was the conversion of one of those people who caused Christians all kinds of problems. His name was Saul. Saul was the person who oversaw the first Christian martyr. uh, He had a brilliant name. His name was Stephen. And um, he, uh, he saw that Stephen was stoned. He kind of took responsibility for that. And one day he was making his way to try and capture a whole bunch of Christians who had run away from Jerusalem. He was wanting to put them into prison or to kill them. And on the journey, he encountered Jesus and his life was turned around. And so instead of chasing after Christians to try and kill them, he decided to go on travels and journeys all over the known world. And wherever he went, he talked about this Jesus who had died and who had risen again, who could be people's saviour, who could be people's forgiver. And where people believed what Paul said, he set up these little groups. They're called the ecclesia, these gatherings for the purpose And that purpose was Jesus. And so what Paul did as he travelled around, he would um, start these little communities. And then as he moved on, he would write to them and he would give them instruction of what it meant to be the church. And so Paul, in his letters, gives these amazing pictures of what church can be. So he says that the church is, well, it's like the family of God, And the family of God, which means that we have such ties with one another. There is this common bond. And everyone knows when it comes to families that there are some that we will get on really well with and others that we don't, uh, but we have to work at it. Why? Because we are family. And he said the church is like the family of God. He called the church the bride of Christ because the bride is so loved by the bridegroom and if, ever, if any of you have ever got married, and especially if you're um, uh, a woman here and uh, you've been able to walk down the aisle and you've st- stood next to your future husband, and as you make those vows, it's a moment when you realise there is someone who loves me so much that he's going to give his life for me if necessary. Certainly he's going to give me a lot of money. And so you're standing there hopefully, But but, so Paul gives this picture of a bride being so loved. We are so loved by Jesus. And then he gives another picture. And this is the picture that I want us to pick up on here this morning. That he says that church is likened to a body made up of different parts working together. This is what he writes to a church in Corinth, one of the churches that he started. He says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is part of it. Now, he uses the picture of the body because the body is incredible. You might not think so. You might think, no, the body's a little overweight or or, or the body isn't very good. Actually, our bodies are phenomenal. Did you know that your nose, your nose can detect one trillion smells? It can, unless you've got a cold or you've got someone with smelly feet next to you then on the whole, you just smell one thing, don't you? But look at that. As you breathe, Do you know what? I never knew this, that as you breathe, most of the air is going in and out through one nostril. And already you're sitting there thinking, which one is it? Which one is it? Aren't you? And every few hours, this is so clever, the workload shifts to the other nostril. That is incredible. Absolutely incredible. What about the eye? The muscles around the eye are the body's fastest muscles. They allow the eye to flick in the same direction in a single 50 millisecond movement. The eye can determine uh, 10 million colors. That is incredible. Just look at that. I just chose a happy face, I tell you, because I just thought this is incredible. You see, the jaw, the jaw is the strongest muscle in the human body. And we exercise it all the time, some more than others. (laughs) Did you know that the average person produces saliva in their lifetime to fill two swimming pools? Who wants to go swimming? (laughs) Not a pleasant thought, isn't it? Isn't it incredible how our bodies produce it? It's just amazing. Do you know what, in our feet, a quarter of the bones in our body are found in our feet. And if you think of it, our feet play such a significant part for us to be able to move around. There are more than 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. Do you see how incredible our body is and how it functions? Humans shed 600,000 particles of skin every hour. It's my way of losing weight. It's great. I just keep scratching. No. It's incredible, isn't it? That's your body. That's my body. And Paul says the church is like the body. And we can do so much and cope under so much pressure, and we take it all for granted, don't we? We don't ever wake up and think, my body is incredible. Well, actually, some of you will do, and you ought to stop thinking it. Um, but you kind of uh, think that my body is incredible. We just don't do that unless we get hurt or unless we get injured. And then all of a sudden, we realise How incredible our body is, apart from the bit which is not working so well. So the other day I was um, eating tea and uh, I accidentally bit onto a chicken bone. And uh, it snapped my back molar in half, uh, and it. I know. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Uh, And it caused toothache, and there was this kind of sharpness in in the in the mouth, obviously. And my tongue could not help but keep on going to it. And I tell you, it ached and it hurt. And what was amazing is that it affected my thinking, because all I could think about is I've got to protect this because this hurts so much. Uh, It got me thinking about my whole mouth. In fact, my shoulders tightened until I went to the dentist. Then my whole body tightened while he started to jab needles in and all of that kind of stuff. But do you see, a tiniest part of me gets hurt and the whole body reacts and the whole body responds. Paul says this, that we are the body of Christ. In other words, we are all connected. That just the person that you're sitting next to whether you know them or not, we are connected because we are part of this ecclesia, this gathering together. We are part of the body of Christ. And we are one body, but we are made up of so many different parts. So just as the eye is brilliant at vision, and just as the ear is awesome at hearing, both need each other. And when a certain part of the body stops working, it's incredible how our body adapts to try and, uh, and cater for the loss in one place or another. So if we lose our sight, what's amazing is, is that our hearing becomes even more important and it becomes even more um, developed. How amazing is our body? And Paul says, we, just look around, just have a look around at each other now, that we are the body of Christ. And he's wired us up with different passions. He's given us different gifts to use in different roles as part of the body. No body part works well away from the body. Try chopping your hand off and see it doesn't work which is why somehow we are all connected and we all have a part to play this is how um uh Paul describes it. he says yes the body has many different parts not just one part if the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand that doesn't make it any less part of the body And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have different parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. I was thinking about the body of Christ, our church. And Tommy, who's part of our church, has a gift. He has a gift of helps, which is why he's here every Sunday morning. And then he heads over to the other sites to help them to set up every Sunday morning. Do you know what? We are so rich as a church community because of Tommy. Leah, who is playing keyboards here today, she has a musical gift, which is why she plays in the band. But Leah also mentors another young person. She invests time in another young person to help them to grow in faith. Do you know what? As a church, we are rich because of Leah, because she adds so much to our community. We don't all recognise it. We don't all see it, but it's all going on because she is part of the body of Christ. Angela Brinkley Over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, she has headed up our care and support where she's been able to get alongside people and talk with them and pray with them and pray for them and get others involved in bringing practical help and support too. What she has been able to do within the life of our church is so rich. Often when someone has been bereaved, I've turned up at uh, their house to talk with them and I find that there is a dish on the side as she's already got in first to be able to get a meal for the family. See, that's being part of the body of Christ, of bringing our different skills and our different gifts together in working to create something beautiful. And why do they do it? Well, they do it because they love Jesus. They don't do it because they're on rotors. They serve out of this love that they have for Jesus. Because Jesus first loved them. They serve because they want to make a difference. They serve because they love what they do. And do they always feel like it? No. Have they always got lots of times where? No, of course they haven't. But they do it out of this heart of being Loved by Jesus, and so wanting to serve him back, but also because they are part of the body, and each of us has a part to play within the body of Christ. I think that team sport often um, illustrates this in the same way. I have to say what a year it 's been for uh, British um, sports teams. Do you remember this team here back in May? This was Liverpool who won the Champions League. They got to the semi-finals. Everyone thought they haven't got a hope because they were playing Barcelona, one of the best teams in the world. Barcelona beat them 3-0 at home, came back to Anfield, and Liverpool beat them 4-0. And so they went through to the final. They played Tottenham and they won. And the way in which that team has worked together has been extraordinary. And so a British team is the best in Europe. Bring it on. And then you get another team one of my favourite teams. This is the England cricket team getting to the World Cup final against New Zealand. That incredible finish with this, super over, uh, and, uh, and England winning uh, that match against the New Zealanders. And then you've got another team. You've got this team here. You've got the England rugby team, who again against, uh, um, against um, New Zealand, against the All Blacks, won this most incredible match. Let's not talk about the final. Actually, no. Let's talk about the final. Let's talk, yes, let's talk about the final, shall we? Because the South African winning team is an awesome example or a parallel of the church. Because just have a look at that. This team is made up of such a diverse bunch of people. Look at the second to the right, okay? And then look at the fifth to the right. Twice the height, So how come they can both play in the same team? The reason is, is because they both have very different roles to play. And some of that team there will get all the glory because they are the try scorers. Others just keep smashing against the other team, smashing against the other team. Uh, And the South Africans did it brilliantly as they worked together against England. You'll notice that there is a mix of colour there, of black and white, both playing in the same team. That was quite an extraordinary uh, event. They had this common purpose. Everything was about winning the World Cup. And it required hard work, it required perseverance, it required a heck of a lot of talent, all coming together to be able to bring that win. But what was more amazing was this, is that they were playing for a bigger audience than themselves. And the effect of their play reached wider than imagined. The the captain, uh, Sia Khaleesi, uh, the first black captain for South Africa, he said this, since I've been alive, I have never seen South Africa like this. With all the challenges that we have, the coach said to us that we are, here we go, we are not playing for ourselves anymore. There was something bigger, something more at stake. We are playing for the people back home. That's what we wanted to do. We have so many problems in our country because although apartheid has been, um, uh, uh, is, is no longer. Um, as evident there in South Africa, there is still this huge split between the blacks and the whites. He says, we have so many problems in our country. A team like this, we come from different backgrounds, different races, and we came together with one goal. If there's a picture of what church is, it's this. I really hope we have done that for South Africa, to show that we can pull together if we want to achieve something. These were the words as soon as they had won the World Cup that he came out with. Blimey, I wish I could think of something as good as that if something good happened and I was ever interviewed. Something bigger than just rugby was going on. Back in 1995 at the end of apartheid and South Africa had a black president when South Africa won the World Cup for the first time, it was with an all-white team. This year, South Africa has their first black captain, Sia Khaleesi, leading the team. And the nation has come together. They have celebrated together. And there is hope for something better. Just think of what I've said about a South African rugby team. And think about the church. The church, we have different roles to play. We might be different sizes. But we have different roles uh, that we play within the life of the, um, uh, the life of the church. We come from different backgrounds. We might be rich, we might be poor, we might be Suffolk, we might be foreign. <laughs> we might be of all ages, all stages of life and yet when we come together something incredible can happen. We have a common purpose to love and serve others out of what? Out of a love for Jesus on whom this church is built on. Playing requires or or being involved requires hard work. It requires perseverance and it requires talent. What the Bible says is that every single one of us when we become followers of Jesus, God gives a gift to us to be able to use for the benefit of Of others. And finally, we do not exist for ourselves. If you ever think that church is for us, we've got it wrong because church exists for something bigger than ourselves. And when we realize that, we don't just set out chairs, we don't just lead a 10 month group, we don't just do kids' work or make coffee or operate a sound desk. We are part of something much, much bigger. And we are part of what's known as the kingdom of God. It's seeing God's kingdom come to rule and reign in our world. And that God builds the church and builds faith through us and in us. And our part, along with others, our part might seem very small. It might seem very insignificant. But when it comes together, wow, what can happen is extraordinary. I love the story of a lady called um, Julie uh, uh, Immerman. Uh, She is an ex-Sky sports presenter. Uh, And she was invited by her sister to go to church. She went to church. She said she hadn't got things really sorted in her head about what life was about. And uh, when she went to church on that first week, she heard about Alpha. She joined an Alpha course and there she committed uh, her life to Jesus. And one day, she was at church, and she heard a person talking about human trafficking. And she said, I was just instantly horrified that I didn't even know that human trafficking was going on. And so she said to God, she says, God, how can I make a difference? And so she decided to pull a crew together to row the Atlantic Ocean and to retrace the steps um, or, or the uh, the transatlantic slave trade route, and her goal was to be the fastest women's team to ever cross the Atlantic. And while they were doing that, they wanted to highlight this issue of human trafficking. So they headed off. It looks lovely there. When they got into the Atlantic, they said that there were waves of 40, 50 um, uh, feet or even meters high. They said it was as tall as houses. It was all over the place. And she said this, that they suffered badly from seasickness, lost a third of their food, parts of the boat broke, and they had to operate, travelling this 3,000 miles with two hours of rowing and two hours of rest. Two hours of rowing, two hours of rest for days and days and weeks. And this is what she said, and I think this is so profound. She said, if I had not had something to row for, I think I'd have given up. If you and I don't keep a bigger picture in mind of what we do as part of the body of Christ, I tell you, it is so easy to think, oh, I can't be bothered. But when we have this motivation that what we're doing is to bring honour to Jesus, what we're doing is bringing a change to other people's lives, that together we're able to do that. It helps us to keep going. She said, this isn't a row that I did. It's an absolute life's work I'm committed to. And it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. And so Julie set up, uh, Julia set up this Sport for Freedom where they now rehabilitate survivors of human trafficking here in the UK. That's what she does. And she said this, we can't all do everything, but look, we can look. what can we all do? Let's all do our somethings, and all of our somethings collectively make a difference. She found something that she was passionate about. Makes all the difference when you can find out what you love doing, and then using the gifts that God has given to you. Do you know what? One of the pathways of really knowing God and feeling God close is activist. It's when we get out and we do things, and some of you here are exactly that. You are activists, and that you will feel the pleasure, the closeness of God most when you are doing something which you know is significant. Steve Shears from our I congregation, he went out um, uh, to Zambia this year And something of being out there has captured his heart. And he knows that now there is more that he needs to do. It's why these trips of going to Guatemala, going to Croatia, going to these places are so important. Because God sometimes puts a passion in us for something bigger than ourselves. Listen, we are the body of Christ. We all have a part to play. And God's design is never for us to be attenders, to be spectators. We're not to watch on while others play their part. This is what he says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Do you know what, there are reasons why people don't commit to being involved in serving and I understand time is one of those, not knowing where to serve is another And I understand that. Of course I do. But actually, we have to ask our question. Many people would say that actually, uh, God's called me in my workplace. And so that's where I serve him. So I'll come to church, but I'll serve him in my workplace. Do you know what? That is great. Honestly, that is great. I just want you to know that. But I also want you to be honest. So who at work are you discipling? If you're a follower of Jesus, who at work are you discipling? How are you sharing your faith with those people at work? Who are you inviting to come to be part of the Ecclesia, to become part of the family of God? So don't make an excuse. Be honest in our responses. But I just want to say this. For me...
0: not want to be part of the gathering of people based around
1: his name which is the local church so i implore you don't stand on the outside be involved
0: because that's not